This is Kate Boyer speaking from Chicago, Illinois. The Attic, Keeper of the Gruesome, the Horrifying, and the Shocking. Here in the dark place, leering over a typical neighborhood street, is where the phantasma lives. The Attic is where you experience disturbing scenes shared by haunted minds and morbid souls. In some ancient cultures, when a loved one is murdered or dies a horrible death, all mirrors are covered immediately because spirits are in search of a body to bring into the afterlife. Tonight, in this episode of Scenes from the Attic, the year is 2017. The place is a brick town home near Wrigley Field in Chicago, Illinois. We step into the two-story structure and find out what happens when you're looking at your reflection as someone close to you tragically dies. And now, Blue Sound Entertainment presents Mirror Mirror, written and narrated by Kate Boyer, directed by Phil Boyer, and made possible by our kick-ass patrons. Dexter ripped the bed covers off Atlee's body. He ran his hand up her back, pushing her flimsy white nightie up to her shoulders. Kisses rained down over her exposed skin as he made his way to her legs, pushing them open before slapping her ass, even though he knew after five years of marriage she hated when he did that. With her head tilted to the side, she watched him bob up and down in the full-length mirror leaning against the wall. A giggle almost escaped in anticipation of him tickling her feet with his soft, cool lips. As he took hold of her ankle, she thought she saw the mirror ripple, like a lake does when you throw a pebble into it. Then both of their phones started beeping and ringing from either side of the bed. Dexter froze like a deer in headlights, while Atlee groaned with frustration. She got to her phone first and saw the caller ID it was her father. Thank God it's not my stepmother, she whispered under her breath. She tried to make her a low sound pleasant, but silence answered her. She repeated herself. From the corner of her eyes, she watched Dexter leave the room while answering his phone, speaking in his professional work voice she hated. From the other end of the line, in a calm voice, without a hello back, her father began to talk, revealing how her stepmother died a short while ago after walking through a plate glass window at the hotel they were vacationing at. At first, he thought miraculously she had escaped unharmed when she turned toward him. But sticking out of her chest was a piece of glass, releasing a river of blood cascading down her dress with the last few beats of her heart. She wobbled for a moment before falling to her death. Before hanging up, the last thing he said to Atlee was how you couldn't see your reflection. Atlee hung up the phone, then felt the giggle, which never broke free earlier, now erupt. She bounced off the bed to let Dexter know what had happened, when she stopped to look at herself in the mirror and sing, Ding dong, the witch is dead, the wicked witch, the wicked witch. This is where Dexter found her 15 minutes later when he was done with his phone call. She broke free from the spell after he shook her back and forth by the shoulders, causing her head to bang up and down. Only then did she loosen the vice-like grip she had on her own wrist, letting the blood flow free again. She took Dexter's hand and walked him back to the bed, where he sat on the edge and she stood before him, bouncing up and down on the balls of her feet. 
Dexter was ready for good news. He could just tell by the smile on her face. But when she recited the phone call from her father, his brows came together in disbelief, both for her giddiness and for the death of his mother-in-law. Two days later, she picked her dad up from the airport. The day was bright and cheery, just like her mood, and she was dressed in her favorite tank top, trying to get the last of the summer's rays before the weather changed to fall. After pulling up to the curb, she tilted the rearview mirror down to her face. Atlee did not hear her father call out or knock on the window. It wasn't until he was half in the car she took notice. She tried to act upset for her dad's sake, but became distracted by the feeling her stepmother was in the car with them. The woman's hideous perfume stung her nostrils from her father's clothes being drenched with it. Not long after navigating out of the airport, he righted the rearview mirror so Atlee could no longer look at her reflection and asked where the god-awful welts had come from on her arms. Atlee thought back on what she thought had been a dream of an unseen force punching at her arms. After breaking free from the nightmare, she woke to tenderness on both limbs. With a glance down, Atlee saw bruises swelling up and turning a darker blue and green color. She had no reasonable answer for him and changed the subject to the funeral arrangements. In his grief, he did not have the strength to push the issue at the moment. The next morning, Atlee brought over donuts and coffee and sat with her dad out on the patio. He let the flies pick at his food, while her good mood pushed her to wolf down a maple, glaze, and jelly. She, after all, was celebrating, even if it was a celebration of one. Without a goodbye, Atlee left her dad in the backyard. As she drove home, a thought crossed her mind. Should she have invited her dad to stay with her and Dexter for a while? An immediate no sprung out of her lips. She hadn't felt like herself over the past few days and thought maybe she was coming down with something, and she hated to be around people when she was ill. The night after making the arrangements at the funeral home, Atlee was dancing around her bedroom in bra and underwear with her favorite song blasting from the speakers when she caught sight of long red marks on her thighs. Out of breath, she stood still and counted five streaks on each leg. She placed her hands next to the marks, then traced them with her own fingernails, which lined up perfect with the scratches. Right then, Dexter called out to her as his footsteps came closer to the room. Before she could think any more about the injuries, she raced to pull on her full-length pajama bottoms. She passed him in the hallway on the way to the bathroom, and the only thing she heard him say was something about not spending all night staring at her reflection again. With the funeral a day away now, Atlee traveled around the mall trying to find a black dress. As she moved from floor to floor, she could have bet anything someone was following her. But each time she turned, there was no one there, only her own reflection from each storefront window she passed by. She was starting to think her feelings of elation over the death of her stepmother were driving her to be paranoid. The last store she stepped into, she spotted the perfect long sleeve dress. By adding a pair of leggings, she would have no trouble hiding all of her unexplained injuries from Dexter and her father. Atlee grabbed a couple different sizes and headed to the changing room. Once inside, she stripped and turned to the mirror, where she felt the now-familiar tingle pulling at her. She forced her head down and was greeted by new mutilations on her body, bite marks on the inside of each wrist. Now that she'd spotted them, they stung like hell. Her eyes drifted back up to the mirror, a few inches from her face, 
with a yearning to fall into it and forget the pain radiating up her arms. By the time she got back home, it was dark. She had two messages from her dad and four from Dexter. She sat in the driveway and listened to them all, not wanting to go inside yet. After a few minutes sitting in silence, Atlee formed a plan. She would go inside and tell Dexter about her injuries. Of course, she would have to fortify herself with a glass or two of wine first. Once through the door, Atlee headed straight to the wine refrigerator, taking her close enough to the bathroom to hear Dexter in the shower. She sank down to her knees in relief, then sprung up to move into the kitchen before he was done. Now with wine glass in hand, she spotted Dexter's phone. Usually she never snooped, but he had just received a text and she couldn't help herself. The message was from one of Dexter's oldest friends. From the beginning of it, she knew they must have been talking about her. She scrolled up to read what Dexter had said and felt her face turn red with anger. Everything he wrote was about her and very personal, including complaining how he hadn't gotten laid all week and was tired of whatever game she was playing. Atlee lifted her arm and smashed the empty glass against the tile floor, splintering it into a thousand pieces before setting her husband's phone down where she'd found it and leaving the room. Before he'd gotten out of the shower, she had slipped on her flannel pajamas, covering her from head to foot, climbed into bed, and turned off the lights. The next morning, Atlee broke free from her trance in front of the full-length mirror in the bedroom. From far away, she heard birds singing happy melodies, and the sun's rays streamed through the open curtains warming her back as she sat cross-legged on the floor. Then, like moving through the fog, she became highly aware of a searing pain from her left pointer finger. She almost threw up with what she saw. The appendage pointed in a weird angle all purple and blue. In one movement, she jumped up, bumping into the mirror, causing it to fall and shatter into pieces all around her. In two moves, Dexter was up and next to her, unaware of the broken glass under his bare feet. With a stream of swear words that would have rivaled any sailor, he finally shut his mouth once he spotted her injury. His face ashen as he pulled up her hand to get a better look when he stepped back with a questioning look on his face. He had turned her wrist and for the first time saw the swollen bite mark. She looked into his eyes, pleading with him without words to not question her about what he was seeing. In the bathroom, they stood side by side as Dexter attempted to wrap her injured finger against the middle one. He had tried to get her to go to the hospital, but she refused, using the funeral as her excuse. He left her alone after extracting a promise to sit down with him at the end of the day for a much-needed talk. Once he was gone, Atlee turned on the shower to the hottest position. Before getting in, she stood naked and took inventory of all of her injuries. She held her breath as her skin broke out in goosebumps. Before lifting a foot over the tub into the spray of water, Atlee looked at the mirror. A dull wet film clung to it with a dark spot in the middle. She leaned forward to rub the darkness away, when an arm sliced through, grabbing her by the throat, cutting off any sound she could have made. Her feet dangled above the bath mat while her windpipe was being crushed with slow, deliberate movements. Her heart physically hurt in her chest by thumping so hard. When Atlee lifted her eyes, she was mesmerized by the slow-moving ripples traveling across the mirror and then she saw her own faint, blurry reflection becoming larger as the arm yanked her closer to whatever evil lay beyond. 
Black spots appeared before her eyes and she knew she must fight. Her legs kicked out against the bathroom cabinets with one hand grabbing the air and the other the shower curtain. Before any part of her body came into contact with the portal, her mind flashed back to the past week of her life since the phone call. Like watching a movie, she witnessed the obsession she had had with her reflection. Only now at the very end, she realized a malevolent force had been seducing her through her appearance. And though she had tried to wake herself up, the only way she knew how, by self-harm, she had failed. From the family room, Dexter caught sounds of a struggle from the bathroom and rushed over. Once there, he was blocked by the locked door. He put his shoulder into it, but it was no use. He yelled Atlee's name over and over, but she never responded. Not willing to give up, he remembered if you pulled up on the old doorknob and twisted hard enough, you could break into the room, even when the lock was engaged. With this second step, he slipped on the puddle of water gathering on the floor from the shower and landed on his ass, taking his breath away. Still in pain, he reached over to pick up the bunched-up curtain next to him. Hopeful, but scared, he would find his wife underneath. But she was not there. He stood with the help of the vanity and faced the mirror when all color drained from his face. For two words stared at him, written backwards. Help me. The first thing Dexter said when Atlee's father answered his phone was how he couldn't see his reflection. Next week, return to the attic for a story that takes place in New York City to witness one person's commitment to become famous. Scenes from the Attic is produced by Booze Hound Entertainment, written and narrated by Kate Boyer, directed and edited by Phil Boyer, research and investigation by Wally Fitch, music by Purple Planet and Shot Glass Records.